thank you. Gosh, just incredibly powerful and kind. And um, yeah, thank you so much. It really means a lot. Um, yeah, thank you for your wonderful words, which all resonate and feedback is spot on. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for everything that you shared. I really appreciate it. And it was lovely. Oh, hello. <laughs> Prophetic words via text, amazing. I'll turn that off. Um, yeah, it was lovely to be prophesied over by the babies. I just felt like the, sh the shrieks, Eden shrieks. I was like, yep, that's all received. And the wonderful horsefall clan. So thank you so much. Really powerful. Um, yeah, okay. Um, or oh, I should say Pete and Gwen send their love. Um, she naps at like 11 a.m. So I just thought if she comes, it's going to be absolute carnage. So, um, yeah, that's why, she's not, that's why she's not here. She would have just, she would have probably preached. But, um, yeah, she's, I feel like she's, she's pretty fire and brimstone. There's something going on there. She's quite, I don't know, she's not got her father's pastoral <laughs> side yet. But we'll see. Hopefully it's coming. Um, Yes. So, um, yeah, thank you. I, I, yeah, I don't find honoring very comfortable, but um, I'm really grateful for it. And um, definitely all of the honor. Well, Jesus, I, yeah, all of the honor belongs to you and all the glory belongs to you. And then so much of the honor and praise and thanks belongs to the team um, who just have stewarded it, the prophetic so well. So thank you. Well done. And I know you'll carry on. I was told it was going to be cold, but actually, it's not that cold. I'll just strip off. Um, that's it. And um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's really, yeah, really lovely and really kind. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit. Father, I just, yeah, just honor you and thank you. We're inviting you, God, to come and move again, to come and move afresh, Holy Spirit. We're hungry for you, for more of your presence, for more of your anointing, for more of your power, just for, for more of you, God. We love you. We love you. We honor you. I thank you that there's a, just such a history of praise in this city, um, in this house, Father, and I thank you that we get the privilege of carrying it on. So I pray that you'd really guide my words today, that I would just speak your heart, that you'd land on what I say, um, yeah, and you just make a way, Father, for your word to come, um, and anything that's me and not you, that I would just forget it, um, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, this morning, really, I want to expand on a prophetic word that I gave at the Family Matters meeting a couple of weeks ago. Um, and really something that I'd kind of like felt like God was brewing for a little while, stirring for a little while. So I wanted to just share a little bit more about that. Um, so if you want to have a look in a Bible, I'm going to talk from Exodus 13 and 14 so you can follow along there. Um, and I'm just going to highlight really a couple of things, two things primarily that I sense like God is speaking through that passage that I feel like I was really honored, Josh, by what you said about having words for now as well as words for the future. And I think as we study prophecy and we look, we see that God can speak in lots of different ways. He can reveal stuff, which is for the long term, looking far into the distance. And he can reveal stuff for the now, especially when we're in a season that we don't really understand. And I don't know about you, but I found it a little bit disheartening, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, if you've heard prophecies about this, but I felt like we didn't hear loads about COVID coming before it came. And I, if I'm honest, felt really disappointed. <laughs> I felt a bit like, why didn't I see this coming? And I also felt a bit like, why did we not hear this or see this? And if I'm honest, it's something I'm sort of navigating still. 
And, um, and there have been some, a good number of prophetic words that have sort of come um, in it, during it, to explain what's happening through it. But I think sometimes it's okay to not be afraid to say, yeah, may- maybe we missed something. Or maybe God didn't reveal something. Because it says that he- we speak the things that he reveals to his prophets, his servants, the prophets. And so I've kind of been mulling over that as well. I'm afraid I don't have an answer for you. But just, okay, God, well, did you want to reveal it? Or is there something that you're showing us in it? And I do have a sense that God is working through this. I know he's working through this amazingly, but I feel like he's just teaching us so many lessons. And our theme for this year, or one of the themes for this year, is simplify. Simplify. So simplify, amplify, multiply. It's the right way around. Yep. Um, so simplify. And I feel like this word this morning speaks into simplify. And uh, before I knew that this was the theme for this year for us as a house, I had a word for the city of Bath, um, for the city leaders, and I felt like God was saying it's time to simplify and diversify for 2021. Simplification, diversification. So I was really encouraged, actually, when I heard that this was the message for now for us as a house, because it really tied in with what I felt like God was saying for us as a city, too. So all that to say, this is really a word for now rather than a word for, let's look 10 years ahead. Um, Yeah, so um, I think sometimes we can make things a bit complicated, perhaps under the guise of trying to understand what's going on. Um, I've been thinking just a lot about Abraham and Sarah and the promise to Abraham and Sarah and then how they sort of took matters into their own hands and just what a mess really it created and how so often in my life I feel like I can take things into my own hands when I'm not seeing the promise of God worked out quite how I would like it to and then I just end up in this gigantic mess and God just says if you had just waited if you just waited for me to do what I said I was going to do, then we wouldn't be trying to untangle this right now. And I feel like there is something of that, that he's saying, just pause just a little bit longer. And um, I, you know, I, I watch stuff on the media, obviously look at the news, and I feel a little bit for the politicians because I feel like whatever they do, they're not doing the right thing. So it's kind of like you're coming out of lockdown. Well, are you sure you should be doing that? We're in lockdown. Well, are you sure we should be doing that? And it's good to hold people to attend to um, account, absolutely. But I think sometimes it's we just want something to be happening. We we have a desire to fix things, and and sometimes God doesn't want us to fix things. Sometimes He wants us to just stay for a moment and let him move because then he gets the glory and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So Exodus 13, we're starting in verse 20. So starting at the end of Exodus 13, we're jumping into the chapter right after Pharaoh has finally, after many plagues, said, let my, you, you can let the Israelites go. So he's freeing them from slavery and say, just, I've had enough, just get out. Um, and so Moses has led them out of Egypt on this desert road towards the Red Sea. So verse 20, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Athorm on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So the first thing I feel like God is saying for us right now is, I will show you the way. I will not leave you day or night. 
And I find these two verses incredibly comforting, that God makes himself so visible to his people when they need him. There's no missing it. I think he maybe understands where the Israelites are at, and he's like, right, big old pillar of cloud, big old pillar of fire. There's no messing. You can see exactly where I want you to go. Kind of there's no excuse, really, for for losing your way, which is ironic when you think about how long they ended up there for. And I feel like God is saying to us this morning from Exodus 13, 20, lean into me, lean into me, morning and night, lean into me for your daily bread, look for what I'm showing you, look for what I'm guiding you towards, don't worry about tomorrow, don't store up manna for tomorrow, unless I'm telling you to, but just look ahead, don't worry about looking days ahead, months ahead, years ahead even right now. Just be obedient to what I'm asking you to do in the morning and in the night. And I'll appear to you with the same clarity that I did for the Israelites in the desert. I'll come like the pillar of fire, I'll come like the pillar of smoke, and I won't leave you or forsake you. And I really felt the compassion of God, him saying, for those of you who've lost ones that you love in the last year, For those who felt isolated or lonely or distanced or in despair or troubled, I won't leave you or forsake you. I will come to you. I'll manifest myself to you like I did for the Israelites in the desert. I was reminded of Hosea, Hosea 6.3, this really beautiful verse. It says, oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn or the coming of the rains in the early spring. He invites us to know him, to press on to know him. And just again, another verse I felt God highlighting, as Jesus said to his disciples, so we're jumping forward, New Testament, Jesus saying to his disciples before he goes, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not in the same way that the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be fearful. And I felt there was just this divine peace that passes understanding that was available for us this morning. This peace that is so different to the peace that the world would have us try and grasp, but actually this amazing divine peace. And he wants to envelop us with his peace today to comfort those of us who mourn, to be near to those of us who are brokenhearted. He invites us to come close and to lean into him and to allow him to illuminate our path as he did with a pillar of fire or cloud for his people in the desert. And there's something in, at the moment, we're seeing arrows everywhere on the floor, aren't we? There's arrows, I'm looking in the building, there's arrows which way you need to walk, how you come in, how you go out, you go into a shop, you walk this way, you walk that way. And I feel like God's saying, this is exactly how I want to manifest to you in this season. This is the clarity that I want to bring. The same as these arrows align your paths and set out the way you're supposed to walk is exactly the same way that I want to reveal myself to you in this season. I'm coming with stamps on the floor to show you where to walk. And you don't need to worry about putting a step wrong. I'm going to make it really obvious. This is a season of God saying, it's not complicated. I'm making it clear. All you need to do is obey. It's really simple. So neither the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of God's people. He doesn't leave us day or night. In Psalms, it says, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And I felt that particularly, I don't know, I feel like we, we don't get great sleep because we have a 17-month-old, but I feel like for some people, sleeplessness, insomnia has been a problem. 
And I just felt like God was saying this verse to you, that he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Sometimes when you're awake in the middle of the night, you feel like you're the only one that's awake in the middle of the night. And I felt like God was saying he wants to come and just tell you that while you're awake, he sits with you. He watches over you. He doesn't slumber or sleep, but he's close to you. He sits next to you. He envelops you with that peace that passes understanding. So, um, and I just want to pray, Father, I pray that for anyone who's struggling with sleeplessness, insomnia, just really struggling to get rest. Father, I pray that you would eliminate loneliness, Father, just a sense of being the only one that's awake in the world. Um, And I thank you for your peace and your truth that you're there. And also, Father, that you would just bring a deep, deep rest and restoration to those of us who in this family are just struggling with sleeplessness or insomnia and and for friends and family as well, that we would just be caused to remember to pray for them. I feel like he's saying your prayers really have power. So just tell them I'm I'm praying for you to get a good night's sleep. And actually it's going to, yeah, you'll see God move. He'll, He'll use it for his glory. So there's a reassurance there that we just need to wake up every day and say, where is that pillar of cloud? And then before we go to bed, where is that pillar of fire? And then wake up the next morning and do the same and do the same. It's just one day at a time. And he's really teaching us obedience in this season when we can all feel quite confused, a bit discombobulated, a bit disorientated. How long is this desert going to go on for? Is it going to be locked down? One, two, three, seven, nine, please, Jesus, no. But, you know, how, how long is this going to go? We feel like we've probably been around the mountain a few times. Um, I'm sure all of you have had people say, it just feels like Groundhog Day. We're just doing the same thing, waking up next to the same person, being like, let's go again, and then doing the same thing. Um, but actually, there's a deep peace that he wants to bring amidst all of that. So, just a little exercise. Why don't, you, um, why don't you just close your eyes with me, if you're not wrestling a child. Um, yeah, the Holy Spirit is a moving spirit, and he wants to show things to us. And he wants us dis- to discern what he's doing so that we can follow him. So I've said those arrows are really obvious. So how do you find those arrows? How do you discern those arrows? So if you just close your eyes and just breathe in. And then breathe out. I heard someone say recently that peace is the perfect environment for discerning the voice of God. Peace is the perfect environment for discerning or perceiving the voice of God. So breathing in and breathing out is just a way of just receiving a bit of peace. So I want you to ask God as you've got your eyes closed. Just say, Father, what emotion do you have in your heart when you look at me right now? What emotion do you have in your heart when you look at me right now? I want you to just take a minute to sense, to discern that emotion. So feel the the feeling that he's giving you. Feel that emotion that he's giving you. It might be joy, it might be pride, compassion delight, excitement, comfort. Just sense that emotion that the living Holy Spirit is bringing to you right now. Yeah. And then just still with your eyes closed, kind of, I want, I want you to ask him, why have you got that emotion in your heart for me now? Father, why have you got that emotion in your heart for me now? Why am I sensing that?
And if you're um, at home on the chat, you can put it in the chat once you've sensed it. And I'd say just rest in it for a little bit. Just share what emotion God gave you and why he gave you that emotion. What's he saying? Why is he giving you what he's giving you? And just sense what he wants to say to you through that. And that's a really good way of just perceiving, okay, where's the pillar? Where's that cloud? What am I stepping into today to just be able to rest in his presence and say, okay, Father, today is a day that you said you're leading me into joy. And the reason that you're leading me into joy is because you want me to enter your courts with thanksgiving in my heart and praise in my heart. And in everything I enter into today, there's a joy that you're bringing to me that's really real and deep. So just to be able to sense, and he's a God with many emotions. Look at Psalms. And if you just keep doing that every day, you'll be amazed at some of the emotions <laughs> that he feels. He's, a, he's an intense God. Um, but it's really, really powerful. So that's one way that you can follow, just really simply, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. If you do it before you go to bed as well, maybe he's sensing something different at night. Maybe he wants to show you something different at nighttime. Okay. So that was point number one. I will show you the way. I won't leave you day or night. Point number two is my absolute favorite point in the world, and I could talk about this point forever, so I'll try not to. Um, Point number two is, I will reveal my glory. I'll reveal my glory. So let's go back to the chapter, Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Piahiroth between Migdol and the sea. Let it encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he'll pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go, and we've lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready. And he took his army with him. He took 600 of all the best chariots, along with all the other chariots in Egypt, with officers over all of them. So this is a big group heading out. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Piahiroth and opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to God. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Such a word for the season right now. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I love that. I love when God says stuff like that. Just like, just stop crying and just tell them to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand to the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I'll harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they'll go in after them and I will gain glory. Key phrase, I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and horsemen. So, really good passage. Well done for bearing with me. I think it was up there, wasn't it? So, In Exodus 5, so a a wee bit earlier, 
Pharaoh says to Moses and Aaron, who is this Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? And it's really interesting. It's almost like the whole of this passage, the plagues, the exodus, the opening and closing of the Red Sea, is to bring this question that Pharaoh poses to Moses and Aaron, who, who is this Lord? He's like slamming the point home, I am that I am. I am that I am. He's appeared to Moses already and said, I am that I am. He is using these um, incidences as an opportunity to completely display his glory and his splendor. And it reminded me that God doesn't forget our questions. So in the moments of like, what are you doing? God will go on this round trip and you'll be like, what on earth is going on? And then he'll just say to you, this was because you asked this question of me. Who knows when? And God goes to these incredible lengths to demonstrate his glory. I find it really fascinating. If you look back up in uh, first, the first bit, uh, the first verse, verse two, sorry, he says, tell the Israelites to turn back. And the reason is he sends them on this roundabout route, the circuitous route, because he wants Pharaoh to think that the Israelites have got totally lost. But if you didn't know that God had said that, you would be like, why are we going around in circles? But God has said, I want you to take this really roundabout route because I'm going to make Pharaoh think that they're confused and then I'm going to come. It's like, I don't know boxing, but I feel like sometimes you do like a fake punch, like a fake move to distract, and then you like come with a much more powerful move. You can tell that I really know what I'm talking about as I talk about boxing. But it's a bit like that. It's a bit like God's like, yeah, we're going this way, we're going this way. And then it's like the right hook, and he totally slams them, and they all die in the middle of the Red Sea. It's like that's kind of what God is doing right now. Um, and Moses had the word of the Lord to hang on to. He knew what God had said was going to happen. He'd heard clearly. And I think that's really key for us in this moment. If we haven't heard clearly, if we haven't heard God for ourselves, then our circumstances can seem really confusing. And we can think, why am I going around the mountain again? Why are we here again? There's a really direct route over there. Why are you taking us around this weird desert road? God, I don't understand what you're doing. But when we know what he's saying, then, then, then there's that obedience that comes and we're like, okay, well, I, I know that you've said this morning that I follow the cloud this way, so I'm just going to follow it this way, and then tonight I'll follow the fire this way. But when we don't know, we can kind of question what's going on, we mock, we ridicule, we doubt, we become despondent, we get a bit sarcastic, the Israelites get a bit sarcastic, like Egypt is the land of tombs, they're like so bothered about tombs, they've got, you know, um, pyramids, the afterlife is the most important thing, and they say, why did you bring us out? Well, there not enough graves in Egypt, you brought us into the desert to die, it's like, that's like a real, like, tongue-in-cheek insult, because there are plenty of graves in Egypt. Sometimes the jokes in the Bible take a bit of like working out, don't they? It's like, oh, that was funny. Okay. Um, but if, if they had held in their hearts the word of the Lord and they knew that everything that God was doing was because he wanted to gain glory for himself, then they would know that what moves him to deliver Israel is this passionate desire to reveal his glory. And the phrase, I will gain glory, is repeated so many times in this passage and I just felt like God was saying in this season of the pandemic where we feel like we're in a bit of a desert, we're going round and round and round, lockdown after lockdown, God is saying, I will gain glory. I will gain glory. And he invites us to partner with him and say, Father, how do you want to gain glory through me today? How can I get as low as I possibly can so that you can come and move and gain glory through me? How can I partner with you? How can I make room for your glory today? Just today, even, Father, as I run around after my child as I go and buy essentials. How can I gain, how can I help you to gain glory? And the amazing thing is that God doesn't deliver Israel 
just to deliver Israel. God doesn't deliver Israel just to deliver Israel, but God delivers Israel because it sets in motion this incredible chain of events which demonstrates that he is God from the freeing of the Israelites right through to the present day. So it's super powerful. It's not just about what happens in the desert. It's about what, what is happening to us right now. So even just looking a little bit after the Exodus, are you okay? Are you still with me, people who are in the hat? Good, great. And hopefully, well, you can make a cup of tea if you're not following me at home. That's, that's fine. <laughs> you do what you want. But anyway, these guys can't escape. Um, so... Uh, if we look just 40 years after the time of the Exodus, we go to Canaan, we go to Jericho in Canaan, and there's Rahab, who is a prostitute, and she's in the Promised Land. She's where they're trying to get to, basically. She hides the Israelite spies, and she protects them. And the reason she protects them, if we look in Joshua, is it says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she goes up onto the roof and says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting, melting in fear of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So can you see how what happened 40 years earlier is what made a way for them in the promised land? So God delivering them, even though we don't see all of the Israelites come into the promised land, far from it. But because of what God did in that moment, it opened a door into the promised land. So you can see how God's saying, I'll reveal my glory in this moment. Goes just, it's not just about delivering the Israelites from Egypt under Pharaoh. It's about making a way so that God can see his glorious plan unfolding more and more and more throughout time. And then it's not just about the Old Testament either, but for us today, these events in Israel's history foreshadow salvation through Jesus who came to reveal the glory of the Father and invite, uh, he invites us to resemble him so that we get to share in that glory too. And I am, please don't misunderstand me, I'm by no means an Old Testament scholar. I, it baffles me. But what I felt like God saying was you can see through this um, rescuing, this deliverance of the Israelites, how my glory comes again and again and again. And just how God has this plan in everything, which boggles and just you can't understand it but it's the same as he's saying right now there's a plan in all of this that we don't understand that we may not have seen it we may not have prophesied it but there's something that God's doing which foreshadows and will carry on from generations to generations and something that he's doing for our children even now as we try and explain what on earth is going on that goes so far beyond us beyond just me and I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to just try and help us to understand that it's about him gaining glory because if we think that the only thing that motivates God to move is his love for us stay with me if we think the only thing that motivates God to move is his love for us then we get disappointed when we're hurt when we see people who we love get hurt when we experience death when we see all these horrific things that we've seen during the pandemic but when we know that the motivation for God is ultimately for him to gain glory it gives us grace to keep going and because he wants to gain glory, he loves us. He pours his blessing out on us, absolutely. But when we, know if, when we know that it's his glory that is the ultimate goal, then it gives us grace to keep going. 1 Corinthians 10, 6, talking about the Israelites, says, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And same chapter 11, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. 
Romans 15, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. God is inviting us to keep in mind that the end game is the revealing of his glory. The end game in all of this, everything that's going on is the revealing of his glory. Just have a wee drink. We are supposed to meditate on stories like this in days like these. These stories are so essential for us in days like these to just remember the might and the faithfulness of God. And um, we've been watching Prince of Egypt. Well, Pete really has been watching Prince of Egypt with Gwen. Good film. I don't know how I... I didn't really watch it very much when I was a child, but it was, they, he really watched it in his family, which is great. And Gwen, when the rivers turn to blood, she gets very excited. <laughs> It's a bit like, she was like, oh, they were like they're jumping in the river, Pharaoh's um, servants, and they're like, oh, it's blood, and Gwen's like, ah! She absolutely loves it, so it's a bit worrying, really. But, um, you know, the, I think there's something about just seeing the majesty of God move, watching these stories with our children, just remembering them, remembering the stories of what God did. These underpin our faith. And sometimes we might feel like at the moment we didn't know quite what to read or what to study or how to pray or how to spend time with God. I just encourage you to just read some of these old Bible stories, some of these truths that get passed down and told again and again and again. Because we see how God's salvation is demonstrated and we see how the God who delivered his people then will deliver his people now. So the final, and I think the most important point, which I touched on just now, is that the Bible doesn't say that what moves God is the value of man. I talked about this. This passage says, and elsewhere in the Bible too, that what motivates God is the desire to reveal his glory, to gain glory for for himself. And does this mean that he doesn't love the Israelites? No, not at all. Does it mean he doesn't bless them? No, not at all. He provides for them. He shows patience and mercy towards them for 40 years. But Delivering them from Egypt is first and foremost so that he can reveal his glory. First and foremost so that everyone will know who he is and how he saves and then will turn to him. So basically he just wants his glory to be revealed so that the whole earth can radiate his glory and praise him back. That's his ultimate aim. So from Rahab in the promised land to us now as we teach our kids about who God is, it's all for the display of his glory and splendor. And in this pandemic, when we see stuff that we just don't understand, um, when we lose family members, when we pray for people and they don't get healed and we just don't get it, and we're like, God, I thought you said you were going to do that. I don't understand. When we keep in mind, well, it's all for his glory and maybe I just don't understand it and that's okay. If we know that the ultimate aim is his glory and his fame, then it gives us hope that this too will pass, that we'll see this end, that we'll see this transition. And I think sometimes... Maybe in, in charismatic churches as well, we feel like everything has to be a roller coaster joy ride. Like everything has to be really fun and great and amazing. And we have to plaster a smile on our faces. Um, but actually, sometimes it's, it's all right to say, you know what, I'm just knowing that this day is going to pass. And even though I see something that I don't understand, I know that ultimately the whole of this is leading up to God revealing the majesty of his glory and his splendor. So I, I've got grace for today because I know that he's going to come through. Um, And so ultimately, like you know the story, we see the angel of God kind of move. So we're we're going back to Exodus 
14, 19. So the angel of God, who'd been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdraws, goes back behind them. The pillar of cloud works in this amazing way to protect and also to obscure the Israelites from Pharaoh's approaching armies. Moses stretches his hand out over the sea, and then the Lord drives the sea back with a strong east wind and turns it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, isn't that interesting, the last watch of the night? So how long were they being pursued for? Quite a long time. There's a lot that happens in the last watch of the night. The Lord jammed down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots, so they had difficulty driving. And, he, and the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. So there's a realization there. Okay, maybe this God is who, who the Israelites and Moses have said that he is. When the Israelites, jumping to the last verse, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So what happens ultimately is that God moves to deliver his people. The Egyptians recognize that the Lord is fighting for the Israelites and the Israelites fear the Lord and they put their trust in him. And there's just this, again, this reminder for us that, okay, Father, when I don't understand what you're coming, when we're going through all the hours of the night and I'm thinking, are you going to come through, God? And then in the last hour of the night, God moves and he does exactly what he said he would do, but he does it in the way that will reveal his glory and give him the most praise and give him the greatest amount of honor. And sometimes I think it's about asking him, Father, what are you doing right now? And how are you looking to display your glory? How can I partner with it? And rather than thinking, could it be over sooner? Can we move on, please? He's like, if you just wait, and there's going to be this glorious revelation of my glory that you can say, he did exactly what he said he would. And I got to partner with it. And I got to just sit and wait while he moved. So I, I just had this kind of final word picture that I saw for the church. So please take away, if you can, those two I wills. The I will of I will, let me remind them because I've forgotten them now. I will show you the way. I won't leave you day or night and I will gain the glory. And then finally, I just had a picture. It's really interesting. Buildings are interesting things. <laughs> good opening. Buildings are interesting things. Um, this, I was thinking about the forum, and I know there'll have been tons, there are, I've heard them, tons of prophetic words about this building and what it's going to be and what God's saying about it. It was interesting. What I sensed God say was the forum is not a hospital wing. The forum is not a hospital wing. There is an aspect of this family's calling, which is to bind up, to mend, and to heal the brokenhearted. Absolutely. So that is a super important part of this family's call. But it is not what this was designed for. It is not what we were designed for as his family. This is a theater. It's a cinema. This place is designed to be a lighthouse for his glory in the city and beyond. And the Greek word for theater, unsurprisingly, is theatron, not very far from the English, which means a place to behold. Theatron means a place to behold. And what I sense was God saying, this is not a place to behold us. This is not a place to behold me who's speaking and he's been honored this morning so beautifully. This is not a place to behold us, to behold our performances, but a place to behold him, which the band did just so brilliantly this morning, just made such incredible room for us to behold him and step back and let his presence and his glory come center stage. It was so powerful. But this is designed to be this lighthouse, this place to behold from which resounds the call. He is the Lord and he is glorious.
And I was thinking back to coming to Bath City Church, although I've led prophetic stuff for five years, I came to Bath in 2008, uh, no, sorry, 2009, forgive me, 2009, um, so how long is that, 11, 12 years, gosh, yeah, 12 years, so I've been part of this house for, for 12 years now, and what first attracted me to Bath City Church, as it was then, was that this was a place that radiated his glory. And I, I just remember coming, and I loved the miraculous. I loved the healings. I loved the signs and wonders. I loved that there were just bodies everywhere who, you know, it was just a bit like mayhem, really. Um, and I just had this sense of him coming and saying, I'm coming to radiate my glory in that same way again. And I'm coming to bring this, this powerful um, lighthouse of my glory and I feel like there's a reshuffling happening for us in our priorities. And it's happening already. This is me prophesying what's going on now. Um, there's a reshuffling happening in our priorities where we say, all I want is for your name to be glorified no matter what the cost. That's all I care about. I humbly bow the knee and I might not understand quite what's happening, but I know that you said your name be glorified and I'm all in. So just if we're keeping in mind that message, I will glorify my name. I will glorify my name. And that we as his people in this house, because in the, in the end of COVID, when it ends in whatever way it ends, it's going to be, there will be a lot of people who are looking for answers and not really understanding what's going on. And if we can be a lighthouse for his glory so that they can be attracted somewhere where they can find out what's happened and why it's happened and how he wants to heal their hearts, and what the aim of all of it was that he managed to come through and see his glory revealed. It's going to be super powerful. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to pray. So, Father, we're just asking, God, that you would come and reveal your glory here again. And I thank you for the promise that you are reshuffling priorities, that you're realigning us so that anything in us that would desire glory for ourselves, you're just stamping it out, Father. You don't want it there anymore. Even in my heart, Father, anything that is desiring glory for me you're just inviting me to lay it down and just as wherever you are if you're here in the building as you're watching at home just say father I want you to gain glory through me I want you to gain glory through me I want to be a vessel for your glory I want to see you move and I love that you come and bind up the brokenhearted father and I love that you bless us and I love that you love us and I love that you move but I recognize that your ultimate aim is that you would gain glory, that your renown and your majesty would be revealed from here to the ends of the earth, that that's what you came to do. And Father, I pray that you just give us this incredible tenacity to pursue your glory and to keep going and keep going. And I pray that this house, Father, would be a place that would be for people to behold your glory, that we would just be like Moses and just say, I just can't even look directly there. I just, it's just so powerful. And Jesus, I thank you that you came to make a way so that we could see the Father and so that we could enter into that glorious place. And I pray that you would just comfort those of us who, I feel like there's something just particularly for those who've lost people that they love. Yeah, there's a reassurance that God's saying they're with me in glory. For those who knew him, for those who said yes to him, there is just a sense of his peace saying they're with me in glory and they're not in pain yeah he's just saying they're not in pain and um, father I pray that you just put in our hearts a sense of eternity that we know that 
All of this is for your glory and we get to partner with it, Jesus. Yeah, I think that's it. Amen. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.